You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church at church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. Y'all ever play Simon Says? Y'all know how to play Simon Says? Let's play a really, 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 really quick game, okay? This is going to be a real quick game with Simon Says, all right? Y'all know how to play, right? Everybody else how to play? Okay, let's go. First of all, let's find, everybody probably doesn't want to play. Everybody wants to play, raise your hand. Y'all are out, put your hands down. I didn't say Simon Says. I told you it was going to be a quick game, right? <laughs> all right, that, that's how you play pretty much though, right? I, and, and it's so, it's so difficult. I, I, you know, I fooled you. Yeah, I, I tricked you. I did it on purpose, okay? I didn't cheat you out of a game because I wasn't going to give you one anyway, all right? Uh, but I did that on purpose just for us to remember. It gets confusing. I remember back when uh, I was an older teenager and we'd play Simon Says, I love being Simon because I would like to, you know, you got to bring the confusion a little bit, you know? You kind of get a little bit of a rhythm going, you know, everybody starts getting in the rhythm and then you just say over and over and over, Simon says, Simon says, Simon says, and then people start doing it, start doing it. And then you just drop one in there without Simon says, and people are in the rhythm there and they just keep going, even though Simon didn't say. You know, it's, it, it, it seems like such a simple thing, but it can be so hard to not get caught up. Y'all figured out where I'm going with this? To not get caught up in everything that is said See, because really, it's, it's the most simple game you probably could play, right? Because all you got to do is listen for two words. Just listen for two words. If you hear those two words, then obey whatever comes after it. If you don't hear those two words, then don't do anything. It's just real simple. All you have to do is listen for the words Jesus says. I mean, Simon says. All right, get that? Yeah, that, that wasn't an accidental slip, okay? You just have to listen to the words, but what happens is we do get confused. Playing the game, we get confused. And this game of life that we're all involved in, we get confused. There's too much being said, too much happening. We get in a rhythm of things, and then you know what we do? I, I mentioned this uh, a, a couple of weeks ago in a, in a video that I did. We, we get to doing this where, where we already know what God wants. And so we just start praying, God do this, God do this, God do this, because we already know what God wants. We've already got it figured out. I know what God wants because, man, I was raised in this. Hey, I was raised in this. I went to church before I was born. All right, think about that one, right? Yeah, I've been going to church longer than I've been alive, and so I was raised in this. It would be really easy for me to get arrogant and say, I already know what God wants in this situation. I already know what God wants, in your, and, and, and to not even have to ask God for it. But I think that's an arrogant attitude to have that I already know what God Only He can tell me what He wants. So we need, we need some authority. So what is your life authority? You know, people have their different lives authority. Different people in your life, different people around you, they have a different life authority than you may have. What is your life authority? Well, let me tell you this. For a Christian, it must be Jesus Christ. Period. Period. I, there are five periods on that screen right now. Three of them actual periods and two more. Just Because I want you to see that as a Christian. Now listen, if you're not a Christian... I'm not talking to you about this, okay? We'll talk about other things maybe. But if you are a Christian, then Jesus has to be your life authority. Because as a Christian, what does that mean? It means you're a Christ follower. It means you're following Him. That you have decided He is the one. His words are the life. 
His words are the refreshing that we need. Uh, the, the, as we prayed right before service, uh, we prayed, and, and you know, when we get empty, and we, His words are that, that river, that wellspring that can bring us life when we feel so empty. And if you're a Christian, there can be no other life authority except for the words of Jesus Christ. And if you're not there yet, then let's get there. Let's understand. Let's get there. I mean, it's, you know, one of the worst things to be, I think, in, in your life is to be half something, half something else. And to not really know where you are, where you stand, what you believe, and all. And, and I'm not just talking about in spiritual things. I mean, in anything. I mean, the worst job I ever had was a job where I had the uh, responsibility to get things done, but didn't have the authority to make sure it happened. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like I was a manager on this part, but I wasn't a manager on this part. I had a half of it, but I didn't have the other half, and I couldn't make things happen. And so one of the worst things you're going to have as a Christian is to be a half a Christian. It's to kind of think it's a good idea, but to not really say, wait a minute, I am a Christ follower. What did Jesus say? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, this is the introduction of the whole sermon series right here. We're going to get into something for just this, this Sunday. But in, in this sermon series, I, I, I really hope you get there and you begin to start asking that question. And here's, here's one of the things I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try to do this, is I'm going to try to kind of, Stay away from every, everybody else's words, even the words of the Apostle Paul who wrote half the New Testament, even the words of John, even, even the Old Testament. I'm going to try to just stick with the words of Jesus because I want you to help yourself in this time to focus on what Jesus says. So this morning, let's begin here. Let's begin with the very first words that Jesus said that were recorded in the Bible. You know what they were? Very first words recorded by uh, by the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the very first words that he spoke that were recorded. Anybody know what those are? Think about it just a minute. Now, if you've already looked at the sermon notes online, don't yell it out right now. Blow it for everybody else, okay? But you know what the very first words he... Now, if you're thinking about this, you're probably thinking, well, you're probably thinking one, you either come up with it and you realize, oh yeah, well, duh. Or you're thinking, well, there's no way to really know because Jesus didn't say, okay, I'm beginning my ministry now, so everybody listen up. You know, so you're kind of thinking that, right? No, that's not it, because there was a time that we know is the very first words Jesus ever recorded, and it was when he was 12 years old, okay, when he was 12 years old. Because we know he was 12 years old, and everything else that he said was when he was an adult, we know that these were the first words. And here they are, Luke chapter 2. Uh, he says, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? All right, so... Let me back this story up just a little bit so you know why he's saying this. You've probably heard this story if you've been in church, Sunday school, kids' church, a little bit here or there. It's the time where Jesus got lost. Actually, Jesus wasn't lost. Y'all ever been to those places where they have, lost, they have a sign that says lost parents? You know, it's because um, maybe the kids weren't the one that got lost, you know. <laughs> That's the way it was with them. Jesus didn't get lost. He was exactly where he wanted to be, and, and he said, you should have known where I was going to be, right? Okay, so... Here, here's, here's the whole thing. Mary and Joseph, Jesus' parents, they were very devout. Uh, men, Hebrew men, they were required by law to go to Jerusalem and present themselves at three great feasts a year. Now, this was during one of the festivals, and so they went. And the Word says that they went every year. Now, this year, Jesus is 12 years old, and this one is a very important one for Jesus. 
Okay, so now they're going every year, but this year is something special, something different. Don't have time to get into all that. But they go and they do all the stuff. So they're, they're very religious. They're doing all those right things. They're there for the seven or maybe eight days, the whole, whole festival seven days. So they're there for seven or eight days, and then they start to return home to Nazareth. And on their way home, you know, they just assume for some reason that Jesus is with the rest of the family or some of the friends or whatever. They're traveling a caravan. That's something people used to do for safety. But also it's just, I mean, you had big families back then. We know that Jesus had at least six brothers and sisters, uh, you know, that, that he had Ma uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 3. We'll point that out to you if you want to look that up later. The four of them were mentioned. It says sisters, plural. So we know that he had at least two of those. So got at least six of those. And Jesus is 12. They had big families, you know, and you, do, you don't space those out every five years like some of us do. Not, not those days. It's, it's, it's very likely that maybe all six of those brothers and sisters were already part of the family. So, so Mary and Joseph, it's not that they're, they're neglecting their responsibility. It's just that maybe they've got six others that, you know, got a 12-year-old and got all these others that they've got these six others that they got to pay attention to more, and these six others are clamoring for more stuff and wanting more to eat or need, need diaper changes and those kinds of things. And so they're, they're listening to all this, and they get distracted by all the younger ones, and they fail to notice that Jesus is gone until that probably late in the day that night when they're gathering their family together because it's about a three, four, maybe five-day trip back to Nazareth, Nazareth. And so they gather the family together, and all of a sudden they realize, well, where's Jesus? Man, wouldn't that be a horrible thing in your life? To be devoutly religious, sold out to God, and get so distracted by everything else going on in life until you wake up one day and say, wait a minute, where's Jesus? I mean, Mary and Joseph, wait a minute, where's Jesus? And so they turn around, they go back to Jerusalem, and they spend three days looking for him, and then finally they find him, and he says, why did you have to seek after me? You should have known where I was going to be. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? That's what he answered. That's what he said. And who says that? Go ahead, you can bring that up now, Kevin. Who says that? A true son says that. A true son says, I must be about my father's business. You know, not, not someone who just likes their dad, you know, say, I like my dad, and I kind of like some of the stuff he does, but a true, a true someone, someone really truly, not someone who just likes their dad, or someone who just likes the idea of family. If you just like the idea of a family, you, you might not say those things. Only someone who is a true child of God says, I must be about my father's business. We must, and says that. So, when I'm not saying that, it makes me think, well, maybe something's, something's lacking a little bit in my relationship. Or maybe something's lacking in my devotion time. Maybe something's lacking in, in, in uh, the time that I'm spending reading the Word and praying and listening to God. Because, man, if I'm sold out to Him, if I'm, I'm deeply invested in this relationship of son and father, of daughter and father, if we're really invested in that, then something, something's, got, something's got to stir us to be about our Father's business. But these last eight months, COVID-19, COVID-19 has really messed with our obedience. It's really impacted our obedience. I mean, and I'm going to say in just a few minutes something about people and connecting with people. How many people really are closer to their friends and neighbors now than they were eight months ago? I mean, we're not, are we? How many of us are connecting like we were eight, nine months ago? How many of us are pouring into our communities like we were 
eight or nine months ago. Not many people are. In a time where they need it more than ever, they need to hear the message that you and I have, yet COVID-19 has impacted that. It's not as easy to get the message out, is it? So what do we do? Do we quit? Do we back up and say, well, God will understand? Or do we say, wait a minute, i got to be about my father's business. He wants me to do something. He wants me to say something. He wants me to be somewhere. He wants me to help somebody. He wants me to be involved. He wants me to roll my sleeves up. And, and yeah, we've got all these reasons why we can't do it right now. We've got to find another way to do it. And that's what a lot of people have been trying to do for the last eight months. But we each have to individually ask ourselves the question, how have I been doing on that? Am I a true son? I'm sorry, I was thinking that other slide was still up. Am I a true son? that says, I must be about my father's business. So what is, what is our father's business? And um, if, if you read, and, you know, and I'm not a Greek scholar, okay, but I, so I have to read what, what people who know Greek, what they say about that scripture, you know, and, and those scriptures in the Bible. And they say that, that this scripture, it, uh, it's, it, it, it means his things. Some places have tried to translate saying his house. That, you know, you should have known I'd be at the temple. I'd be in his house. That's, that's not what it means. It means his things. That's why the King James, the New King James, and several other of the older translations say God's business, the Father's business. So what is his business? What are the things of God that we need to be about? That we should be about? What are those things? Okay, well, I started to give you a list, and I thought... No, if I give a list, I'm going to leave some stuff out. And then I felt like God just brought this to my mind and that here's your list. I'm going to give you a list. I'm going to give you a list of the things. And three things that kind of, and these are things from Jesus, okay? Because remember, we're focusing on what Jesus said in this, ser in this sermon series. Three things that Jesus says his father's business is, and it's people, sacrifice, and example. All right, so let's walk through those real quick. People. Jesus, he said it's all about people. I mean, it's about loving one another, even praying for your enemies. Loving those who dis despitefully use you and praying for... Now, how in the world did it... Jesus, <laughs> don't get ahead of myself over here an example, but Jesus was the example as he prayed for people that were crucifying him right where he was hanging there, bleeding out. And he, and he prayed for those that were doing this to him. You know, those that didn't just turn their back on him or ignore him, but we're actually attacking him. You know, Jesus said it's all about people. God's stuff is all about people. His, his father's business is all about people. And Jesus told his disciples, he said, we must work the works of the one who sent me while it is day because the night is coming when no man can work. So we've got to be doing whatever his business is right now. So first thing is people. Second thing is sacrifice. Nobody wants me to preach here, do they? Let's don't, preach about, let's don't preach about sacrifice. Let's don't preach about that, Pastor. Let's don't preach about sacrifice. Okay, I want to I I give you something. I want to give you something that I think will make it a little more palatable. <laughs> but I think something, and, and I know when I say that, you know, some of you traditionalists might say, oh, you're just going to make it easy on people to kind of, no, I'm not going to make it easier. When I say this, I, I think it's going to help you understand it and accept it more, but I don't think it's going to make it easier necessarily to take the burden off. I don't think it'll do that. Is because here's what sacrifice is. It is living like there is something bigger than yourself. That's what sacrifice is. Living like there's something bigger than yourself. Not just living for yourself. See, that's one of the areas where COVID-19 has really messed us up. I mean, we've had to internalize. 
We've had to go into lockdown, quarantine, to, to separate ourselves from everyone else. And some of you, you know, the introverts, you've loved this time. Don't say amen. We don't, we don't want everybody to turn around and look at you. But we love this time, right? It's like, man, I, I, I don't have to connect. I, I, I don't have to be in those awkward social situations anymore, right? No, we don't have to. And so some people have really enjoyed this time, but that's, that's not God's thing. That's not God's business. God's business is about that connection and about doing that. And it's about sometimes, yeah, for you introverts, it's even about sacrificing your me time, you know, for them. And, and let me throw this in also. I've, uh, you know, I've got kids, I've got grandkids, and I've done a lot of stuff for them that has been tiring, that has worn me out, that has cost me money, right? But I've never sacrificed for one of my kids or grandkids. Y'all know what I mean? It's not been a sacrifice. That's been, a, that's been an act of love. There's, there's never a sacrifice for your kids or grandkids. Now, now, if you understand what I'm saying there, then understand what we're saying here. Not talking about your family. God's business of sacrifice is not about just what you do for your family. But sometimes it's a sacrifice of what your family does for somebody else, but it's always what you do. For somebody that can never pay you back because there is something bigger than myself in this world. There's something more important than what I, I need to do today. There's sometimes that what I need to do today is going to come second, third, fourth, or fifth down the list. There's some things more important, and they're, they're coming those days. And the last thing, let me just hurry, guys. I know I, I don't need to spend a lot of time. Let me just hurry to this last thing, the example. The Christian example. Being about God's stuff is about a Christian example. Jesus is our example. He's our example. Go back and read. And if you, if you haven't, get back there and read it. He's our example of how to handle temptation. Struggling with temptation? Go read how Jesus did it and what he said. What Jesus says when temptation comes. He's the example of how we handle adversity and how we respond to it and how we do it. Anybody got adversity in your, in your life, in your family, at your job? Then what's supposed to be your life authority as a Christian? The way the last guy did it or the way your family member treated you? Is that supposed to be your life authority? No, your life authority is supposed to be Jesus Christ. He's our example of how to respond in adversity and to adversity. Jesus is our example in everything you see some of us where we're struggling is we're buying in i i'm i'm pausing here because I'm, I'm asking god to help me choose my words wisely okay i'm going slow here i'm walking really slow with these words because some of us are hearing the words that tell us whatever feels good to you you do that instead of hearing what Jesus says. And instead of being the Christian example, you know, there was a time, the time in Christ's life where he felt the most challenged to want to please himself. It was the night before he was crucified and he knew he was going to be crucified and he knew he was going to be beat up. He knew he was going to be destroyed. His just body just totally destroyed. And he wrestled that night not with God, but he wrestled with himself. He said, 
Father, if there's any other way, if you can think of any other way, please let this happen some other way, but not my will. Let yours be done. He's our example. He's our example of dealing with self. That, well, I have the right. Yeah, you have the right. But as a Christian, your life authority is Jesus Christ. Well, nobody can tell me what to do. You know, when, when Jesus was tempted, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hurry and at the same time trying to follow God. Here, okay? Is when Jesus needed something to drink and needed something to eat, it would have been easy to say, I'm going to do this because I want to do this. I'm going to do this because I need this. But he needed to be an example for me and you. You know, we all know those examples or those stories of being examples of remembering that somebody's walking along behind us. And, you know, we can choose to do anything we want to do. You have that right, a God-given right. But you have to remember there is somebody walking right in your footsteps. And if you call yourself a Christian, they are walking in your footsteps because they believe your footsteps will lead them closer to Jesus Christ. And so when we walk, the Christian walk, we have to be so careful because we have to make sure those steps do lead other people closer to Jesus Christ. So what is our Father's business? His things that you need to personally be about. That be about, from Jesus' words, you know, that you need to be about personally. Personally. What is it? Because everyone's got their own gifts and their own callings and their own personalities and all that but what is your place you have a place i'm looking out and seeing faces right now and i'm thinking man how some of you just have the personality that draws all kinds of people some of you have this 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 depth in in your spirit about you know that you don't talk all the time but when you talk you've got something to say and people listen and i you know and i'm just seeing all these different people you've all got something and you 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 know i can't tell you what that is You've got to do that. And the reason this, this last part of this message has been, has been so heavy here right now with me is because over the last eight months, I have been pained to watch you and to hear you struggle with finding the direction God wants to take you in your life and all these other voices and all these other things that are shouting at you and pulling at you and drawing you. And not all of us are saying, wait a minute, i got to go see what Jesus says. But we need to go back and see what Jesus says again. I, I, I think, I think, thank you, uh, Kurt, for that word for those that came early for prayer this morning. We're here for prayer. I think, I think we may have let ourselves get filled up in the last eight months with some things that we didn't need to get filled up with. And today is a good time to call ourselves back to let's, let's find the stuff that our lives need to be filled with. Let's find the words. Let's find the people that we need to hear from. And let's start with Jesus Says. So here's what I want to challenge you with. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back around. And here's, here's what I want to challenge you with. I want to challenge you to pick 
And I know some of you are already in your devotions. You're in the middle of something right now. Okay, I understand that. And you might not be able to do this right now, but I want to, I want to really challenge every one of you to do this. Is to pick Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John and to read it really slowly until you get through that whole, that whole gospel. I don't even care which one you pick. They, they all tell different stories of remember, one remembered this, one remembered this, all of them remembered some, and they tell a little different because one remembered something said about this story and the other one remembers, and so they're all different. They all really want to focus on one part. part. It's like having four preachers preach a, a message on love. They're all going to be different, but it's the same story. So I don't care which one you pick, but I, I want to challenge, I want to dare every one of you to pick a gospel today and start reading it. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I just I, I make myself read a certain amount every, every day. Sometimes what I do is I read until God speaks and I put it down and say, okay, tell me some more, God. I want you to do that. I want you to read until you just see something that stands out to you. Because in the Gospels, what you're going to see is you're going to see the example of Christ and you're going to hear His words. And you're not going to hear those words even colored by what I think about those words. You're going to hear Jesus' words. And we need to know what Jesus says again. And so I want to caution you on this also. That if you have a, if you have, if you have a serious question, a doubt, right now, if you've got a question, 476-2911, text us, okay? And I'll try to come right back before we close this service and, and answer that question. But if you have like a theological question or you've got a spiritual question, don't post it to Google or to a Facebook or don't Google it. Find the spiritually wisest person in your life and ask them what they believe Jesus said about this. And let them point you to Scripture. Let them point you to their example. Let them point you to what, what you need to know, what you need to receive and you need to hear. So I'm going to ask you to do two things, church, okay? I'm going to ask you to pick Pick a gospel and start reading it today. Read it slow. Don't read it quick. If you just read one verse a day and, and focus on that verse for the rest of the day, that will be a huge win. And then when you have a question, find the wisest person in your life and ask them. Don't ask the world. Ask the person that you know their testimony and you know the steps that they're taking are steps that are headed toward Jesus. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. You can email our prayer team at prayer at church2911.com or text us at 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting church2911.com or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. Thanks for listening to the 2911 Sermons Podcast. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.